Welcome to the Rough Road Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Steele. Today I'm joined by my father again and um, his cousin, Don Gavin. Lindsay and I's associations, I think it started when I think you must have been about four, I must have been about two, when you lived on that apartment there on 4th fourth, fourth West and about 50 South. Now it's, it's a Travis Tire Shop, but it used to be a Dodge dealership or something there. And they lived in a, you and your mom lived in an apartment above that or something. Yeah. But, uh. I was a friend with, made friends with Donnie <coughs> when he was younger. And, uh, you and your dad used to go fishing a lot. And he never did. And I had an extra fishing pole, so I gave it to him, and I took him fishing quite a few times. We become real good friends. He liked he liked he liked that fishing. Oh, uh, I know. I tried to coerce him to come down here and go fishing, but you know, life takes too much time out of what it is you're doing. I don't even go fishing. I even got a fishing license. I thought, well, yeah, if you got a fishing license, that'll That'll kind of coerce you to go fishing. It doesn't. Nope. You know, I thought, well, I'll I'll get the side by out and I'll drive over here to the Severe River and drown the worm in. And, nah. You see, all <laughs> oh, that I'll do that tomorrow. Well, I'm getting close. I <coughs> found my fishing pole and my automatic reel the other day, and I put it in the back seat of my car. Behind the seat, and I said, now the next time I come by a place to fish, I'm going to get out and fish. And, uh, You've been well, by there. And they said, have you got your license yet? Nobody says, I can go down to Quality Market and pick it up for 16 bucks. <laughs> well, I got mine in the mail, but I hadn't fished yet either. <laughs> so you've known, you've known my dad since you were little then, two years old, whatever. Oh. In fact... When we were, when I got baptized, May, that's his sister, older sister, was uh, going to take, was it Don? Was it you that he took to the baptism, or was it, uh, it was, no, it was your, your other sister, Charlene. Yeah. May was going to take Charlene to get baptized at the first, at the first ward. And she was telling mom about it, uh, or Donna was telling mom about it. Was says, have her come and get Lindy and get him baptized too. And that's how I got baptized. <laughs> well, I know the way I got baptized. You know, all these older people, you can say, well, do you remember where he was baptized? And they said, well, yeah, down here in the A Canal, you know, or down the river. Well, when I was baptized. I was 12 years old, and at the old First Ward Church was just across the street from the park on the corner. It was a right across from the high school. Yeah. Hmm. Right across from the high school. Yeah. What What was the high school? <laughs> but that's right. There where the library is, right? But uh, now, I would go to primary after after school there, you know, but I'd never been baptized and. So the class was going to go be baptized for the dead. And uh, Sister Maxfield was the primary president. 
And she'd asked me, did I want to go? And I didn't know anything about it. I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't know what she did or who she talked to or how she cleared. But when it came time to go to be baptized, we went over to the Manti Temple. Then I was baptized for myself in the Manti Temple. And then baptized 12 other times after, you know, for the dead and I didn't realize that how many people can you say have been bad baptized in a temple I don't know and I'd never I'd never seen that baptismal fount again from that time and that would have been uh Nineteen forty-eight, and I'd, I'd never seen it again. I, I could remember in my mind what it was about the fount and and the oxen around it. Right. But I'd never seen it again until oh five or six years ago. We'd went over there and was going to do some ceilings in the ceiling room there, and was walking down to the in the Manti Temple is walking down towards the ceiling rooms and the veil right there that covers the window that goes down to the baptismal fount happened to be a little bit open. I looked down there and it was, it was just like the same day. It was the same place, the same feeling, the same experience and everything. And uh, so e even that has had quite an impact on my life, you know, just you think about uh, what would you do if you say wait a minute <laughs> somebody knows more about it than you do but uh, what did you guys what did you guys do as kids growing up what kind of activities did you guys well, do the, the one thing that two things that I remember about about Lindsay I think he was probably maybe 10 11 years old they had a big poplar tree in front of his house, and he decided he climbed the top of it. <laughs> and he did, but he made an, uh, a no-no move or something. No, but I'd he come down out of that tree going, whoop, whoop, whoop. And then he hit whoop on the ground. <laughs> and we thought he was dead. And it, <laughs> in reality, he should have been dead. <laughs> well, I was going to climb the top of that tree. And I wanted to touch the top. And I just kept going, and the branches got smaller and smaller and smaller. And I got on the last branch that I could stand on, and I was going to reach up and touch the top. And the branches I stand on about that big around, and, had, and, and, the, one, and the one branch broke. And the way, all my weight went on the other branch, and it broke in there. I went down, <laughs> bouncing off of the limbs all the way down. And I hit the sidewalk, the sidewalk around the tree, and I lit right on the sidewalk. <laughs> I, I was sure that that, that would have had to kill somebody to do that. Well, I, th I think hitting all those branches kept slowing me down, so, <laughs> I, so I didn't hit someone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the other thing is, is uh, it wasn't. It looked 
maybe a few years after that, but there was the canal that ran in front of Lindsay's house there, and, and uh, we went down towards Hunsaker's there and was about swimming. halfway down to Hunsaker's. The canal yeah. made a curve. We were swimming in a canal there, and I I went to get out on the other side, and I stepped my foot down, and there's a bottle broke down there, and it cut the bottom of my foot from heel to toe, like this. And I mean, we we couldn't stop it from bleeding. Yeah, we he was. Just a little ways from our house, and I said, "Let's go over to the house." I said, "We got a box of band-aids. We'll bandage this up." <laughs> Went through that whole box; they wouldn't stick. <laughs> <laughs> but it, we wrapped it up and everything. You know, in reality, I I, I should have went to the doctor and had it stitched up because it was a a long cut. Yeah, I had to buy an extra uh, size, bigger shoe to fit. But the, I to fit the one shift foot. I should have uh, should have had that done, but I I didn't. It took a long time for it to heal up. But uh, uh, we didn't go swimming there anymore. After that, <laughs> we, that's not safe. I did once, and I about drowned. <laughs> we got over to, go, go over to the Hunsakers. The uh, the canal went away and it turned and went over under the overpass by right by the Hunsakers, <coughs> and where that turn was, it was a there's a deep swim hole there we used to swim in it, and I got out on the wrong I got on the other side and went and dove in, on the one side it it was wasn't the water wasn't very deep and I stuck my mat, head right into mud, and my feet were up and kicking and and Dean and Phil and Somebody else is standing up on the bank just a laughing because it looks so funny. <laughs> and finally Phil decided, maybe there's something wrong. So he come and pulled me out. He had to pull my head right out of the mud to get me out of there. I about drowned. And <laughs> uh, another thing, I guess we was probably maybe 11 or 12. Then they still had steam engines run on the railroad. And... Those steam engines hauled passenger cars. Well, people in the passenger cars would smoke cigars, and a lot of times they'd throw their butts out the window. <laughs> we went over there with a paper sack and gathered up a bunch of half-smoked cigars, and he had a three-holer out in the back of his house. So we went out there and, and uh, shut the door and proceeded to smoke those cigar butts and they had three holes up the top of the outhouse smoke was rolling rolling out of that you never too seen two sicker guys in your <laughs> whole life than them two guys <laughs> I, thought I was gonna die <laughs> you know I, my, that might have been a trigger but neither one of us smoked out of that <coughs> ever besides <laughs> your cools <laughs> both of our families <laughs> smoked but we didn't. <laughs> but then... We learned a lot of things together. After yeah, after I'm we got a little older, I don't know where you got that 22 you had. Where I got that 22? Yeah. I, I bought it. Well, the one I had was one Harold had, you know, and he left it at the folks' house, so that's the one I was using. It was a bolt-action clip, and his was a, a single shot. action tube. Oh, uh, 
It's the one that you ha- gave me then. Okay. So anyway, uh, we a lot of times plan ahead for it because we didn't have money for bullets or anything like that. But a, a box of sharps would cost about 50 cents. Your dad made a rabbit turkey times one of them, one of them little sharks to even kill him. But <laughs> knock him down. Back then, you know, the the beer bottles, uh, if it's Fisher beers, it was a dark stain bottle, and you could get five cents for one of them. Well, that was a quart, that was a quart one. The half quarts got three cents, and the quart ones you got five cents. But anyway, we we would gather up enough of those bottles and take them down to. Arv Rose's place or the pool hall and turn them in <laughs> and get enough to get a box of shorts and then we'd, we'd share the shorts and we'd start at his place there on Lyman Road going down the railroad tracks and we did it a lot. We'd walk from there clear up to the river dip and by that time we was out of bullets. So from there back to Delta's five miles so we start back to Delta, but you can't just walk. So back then, people throw their bottles out a lot, and so we would gather up these bottles as we walk along and play poison. <laughs> One guy would throw a bottle, another guy would throw a bottle, and if he broke it, he wins. And we'd walk that five miles back to Delta, so you figure we walked 10 miles. Right. We did. We did that a lot. Uh, I remember we uh, went down to that willow patch on, on the canal and built a hut in there. And we'd across the canal. There's a potato field. We'd go out and dig potatoes, and and we had an old frying pan we hid in there. We took a frying up, pan and, and, and we'd uh, shoot a blackbird or two and cut them up and peel, uh, skin them and cut them up. And eat, you eat blackbirds and they think you're crazy, but they're pretty tasty. But, like chicken. But Couldn't tell them from chicken, take, I'll tell you that. <laughs> we took the frying pan, we took some lard and some salt and pepper, and we would go down there in the morning time, and they wouldn't see us again till the sun went down. We just spend the whole day down there. Yeah, we cut down willows and make swords out of them. We had sword fights and all, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> we entertained ourselves pretty good. What about the riding horses? Huh? Riding horses. You and him rode horses. Not me and him. Not me. No. What? What I about when you would go to? Of a horse. Me and Q did. What about when you would uh, ride up to Oak City? <laughs> well. I'll Eight had had a couple of horses that he was taking up to Pizzi's place up the mouth of Canyon. And so he's going to have, well, he's going to have Q and Kona ride him up there. But the one horse. Old Snip was, old Snip like was scared. You can spook him. She, did, she didn't want to ride it, so they talked me into riding it up there with it. And, and, uh. So we were just going straight, not following the road. We were just going right straight to Oak City. Well, it was hot in the summertime, and, and out in the middle of there, there was a catch basin where the cows would water. And I don't know what got in my head about quicksand. 
you know. <laughs> and we rode those horses up there and walked out there to let them drink. Well, this stupid horse I was on, it walked out there to drink, and it started folding his legs down <laughs> to lay down in the water, and I thought, quicksand. <laughs> I jump. I jump. I didn't even come close to the bank <laughs> in the water. <laughs> and and, uh, and it, it just seemed like all those stupid guys around, moo, moo, moo. They thought it was funny. <laughs> but, but we... We did make it up to the mouth of the canyon with it, but back then, you know, that road to, to the canyon wasn't oil, it was gravel. Right. No, it wasn't gravel, it was had big boulders <laughs> all over it. I guess you could call it gravel because it wasn't mud, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, a year or two before that, uh, Christmas time, our neighbors was from Denmark, some Clarks, and Dad had went over there because it would help milk his cow if they wasn't there or whatever. But uh, he seen this old Danish bicycle in out in the chicken coop, and and I guess he bought it from Mister Clark. And during the time before Christmas, he took it and cleaned it all up and painted it. And the different thing about it was it was long. It was probably from here to there long. So at least six, six, seven feet long. <coughs> had springs in it. And One more on thing it. that was wrong with it, it didn't have no brakes. <laughs> well, it did start with till I wore them out. But that wasn't, wasn't the only thing. But the, uh, the handlebars come up like this, and they come back about this far. So you ride them like this. The so the old the old school handlebars that you see like on the the big wheel bikes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we gotta explain this so that people can't see what you're doing. So this one one summer we we all decided we was gonna ride, you know, Rusty and Ralph and all them guys are gonna ride the bikes to Oak City Canyon. Well, you know it's probably 17 miles up there. We did and and no problem, except. Coming back. After we come down from there on a gravel road and no brakes, you come around those corners. (laughs) 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 And I thought, life's over. I'm not going to make it to the bottom. (laughs) 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 And and I would clear out south of Oak City before I ever got slowed down. And one one day I thought I had some cousins that were visiting up in Lemington, that, that Ned and Gail Barker, and I decided I want to go up there and see them. Well, it's 23 miles up there, and this got this bicycle got where it slip cogged. Mm-hmm. You'd pedal and get it going a little bit, and then it'd spin around. Then you have to go a little bit and have to spin around. Well, I made it there okay and spent the day visiting with him and decided, well, better head back to Delta. Well, I made it back to this side of Lindell and the, <laughs> had a south wind about 20 miles an hour. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I just about had it because I'd have, have to pedal three times as much to go half as far. <laughs> and... Uh, 
some guy come along in a pickup and picked me up and and hauled me into town and and I made it to Aunt Twyla's house and Aunt Twyla always had the best garden in the world and tomatoes was on right then I must have ate a hundred tomatoes <laughs> 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 she didn't care you know <laughs> it all went to a good use I guess but but uh, I I made up my mind I probably won't do that again. What about some of your trips into Oak City uh, to go camping and what have you? Well, when the times that I remember, uh, when Lindsay was about 10 years old, uh, in, in the summertime, George would take him up there and dump him off, and he wouldn't see him again for a week. Until <laughs> till Mom got all the canning done, because he'd go down in Oak City. That's when all those camps had a steel stove sitting yeah. on a cement. And so he, George would go down to Oak City and buy a bunch of fruit, peaches and cherries and stuff, and bring them up to Mom, and she'd, and she'd can them up there. And, of course, I had old Rover, that German Shepherd, up there, and we'd go chase deer. <laughs> but he, uh, well, back then... The creek, you know, you could walk along the creek most anywhere until... You could drive across it. Didn't need a bridge, you could cross it. In fact, you'd go into the entryway of, uh, and go up to the top of the, to where the road ended and drive back across it and go on up to the... Uh, spring up of 49, that all changed. When that winter snow melted, Dad took me up there just north of Oak City where the water was coming out of... Oak City Canyon, and it would—it was this deep, just boiling. And when they finally got through, it's like it is now. I mean, it's to get the creek is twelve feet that down. Creek went what six or eight feet deep. But uh, Lindsay, he did—he didn't like to eat fish. He just liked to catch them. And, and he loved to eat them until, <laughs> till. Uh, him and Lois got married, and then she started fixing them where they taste like tuna fish, and he'd like a tuna fish sandwich occasionally, but <laughs> but he'd go up in uh, Chalk Creek and Carn Creek and catch a bunch of fish and come back and... And they sit in the freezer for a year. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, he... No, I'd have Lois can them. He took me up to, to Chalk Creek one time and I thought well I had these waders you know that so you could wait out in the creek with them but he didn't tell me that it was two miles over to the creek from where you have to park your car oh it's further than that I know it's I like know. five miles just up to white sage flat <laughs> but but anyway <coughs> I I went over there and he was starting to fish up that creek for another four or five miles but not me when I got back to the to the outfit, after going over there, I said, I ain't doing that again. <laughs> My feet was killing me. And then he took me to, to Carn Creek, and there's a lot of snakes in Carn Creek. And this dummy... <laughs> Almost he, under, under the bushes, <laughs> rattlesnake. <laughs> he plays with the dumb things, you know. <laughs> He'd catch them and packing them around, and, and guys wonder, well, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> 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 I was coming up out of the creek one day and 
through the brush to get up to the road that was coming down out of the canyon and there was a couple of guys walking down the canyon going back to their camp or something they had their fishing pole over their shoulder and I was coming up out of the creek and so I started up there and got almost to them and I said, look what I got. And they looked and boy, they did a gone <laughs> dead run down that, dead, down that road. Wouldn't even let me, wouldn't even let me show them to them. <laughs> I, I went up there, you know, and he told me this snake's up there, but I, I didn't think much about it. It was in my mind. I just didn't think much about it. And we'd gone up uh, east of where the bridge is at, up the top of there. And I'd... I was walking along the bank and I was going to go down because it looked like a pretty good hole down there to fish. And I had to jump down to kind of a little bit flat there. And I jumped and when I looked down, there's a snake down there. Anybody tells you you can't make a U-turn in midair, you can. Just need the right motivation. <laughs> motivation. <laughs> and, I, and I did. Realized. I didn't even come close to that snake. <laughs> <laughs> I was up there one day and come down the creek got to a place I had to cross the creek because I'd walk alongside I didn't have boots on and so I got over this willow growed up and come almost across the creek and so I got up well, I'll get on this old boulder here and just jump and pull myself up with that willow and when right in mid air I was going to light these two snakes coiled up together and I broke that willow off and beat him dead before I hit the ground. <laughs> but we used used on occasion we'd we'd deer hunt, but in uh, oh, probably 1968 or something, I I started bow hunting, and uh, back then it was just recurves and cedar shafts and they didn't have sights or stabilizers or anything back then but you improvised to try to do as good as you could with it but I'd got a a fairly inexpensive compound bowl and we'd been hunting over into dry creek over in, in wild goose and and uh, we'd located this one spring up there, and, and Lindsay and I had went up there a couple of times before the hunt and, and looked at it and thought, well, boy, if he's going to get a deer, this would be a place you could get it because it, it was water that nobody knew about. Which and, stand was that? Pardon? Which stand was that that you're talking about? Is it, was it yours, the one that you, that you sat on most of the time? Yeah, well, yeah. That mostly, one? Mostly, yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that one's a really hard one to find. I, I think Al Loveland just stumbled on it because he was walking across from that upper spring where it come out, and he just happened to hear something and went down there, and he told me he'd seen that up there, and I said, well, where's that at? So he took me back up there, and then we'd went up there, and when he got to it, up on the ridge, Back then, it didn't seem like the oak was quite as thick as they got, but you see these deer up on the ridge that was going out of it, and from the tracks, they had been around that water. So, I think it was 1980. 
during the the bow hunt we we went up there and and uh, <laughs> I asked him did he want to come up there with us he wasn't bow hunting or anything he he didn't ever had a had a bow up to that point but he said he's <laughs> his sleeping bag and caught underneath this pine tree and that night it rained really good. <laughs> <laughs> there was about this much water on his cot and he was in it <laughs> but anyway uh, we'd went up to that stand where I was at there and as I was there and Al Loveland was there and he was just sitting on a two-before that was between a couple of trees there wouldn't camouflage or anything but uh in the process of the day, there's some deer come in there, and and he was within 20 yards of them. And he says, "If I was bow hunter, I could got one of them." And I said, "Well, start bow hunting." Oh, I could never bow hunt. And I said, "Well, you can shoot a flipper." Yeah, there ain't a lot of difference. Just shoot an arrow instead of a rock. So I had this. I think it was a Browning recurve. We went down to down to the camp, and I taped a a thing on it to use as a side or a pin. And we set a box up out there, and, and just a couple of times he found out he could hit that box with that bow and arrow. And I'm sure in his mind he was saying, "If I can hit the dang box, I can hit a deer." <laughs> right. So, so. Uh, his planning had to do with getting a bow. Well, I think he had to pilfer his barbershop money to finally get enough money for a bow, but I went down to the archery shop and got him a, a P, wasn't it a PSE, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. And uh, he took up, started shooting that out in his backyard. And well, we, we used to go up to where I bought the bow, and they had a shooting range inside there, and yeah. we and and they had a big have elk and stuff come out there, and you'd shoot at it, and it just bounce bounce it off, but it had a big uh, screen above it, and it'd show you where you hit. What if you're shooting at a right. buffalo, it'd show you where you hit, or if you missed, or whatever, and it'd give you a score. We'd go up there. Well, about twice a week and shoot at that thing. But so even I finally learned how to shoot a bull. <laughs> but he he finally did get to where he was pretty dang good with the bull. And, and, uh, so at that point, then, we started bull hunting together. Uh, but our bull hunting wasn't just for the hunt. We would start like in April. And we start planning. Start after just after the sun melt, uh, melted. Snow off. melted. <laughs> Go up there and start building the trails and stuff to get to. About the hunt and how we was going to get there and trimming things out and building this. and Make sure the water's in the right location yeah. and all the, everything, yeah. And uh, building stands that uh, we never did before. That was a mountain lion. That was a mountain lion. No, I had bear. a mountain lion. A bear, a bear come right underneath his stand. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> no, I'm am t- talking about the mountain lion when you were going to get dawn after your set that morning. Well, yeah, I walked right up. And you walked. You away from it was closer than that to him. That that mountain lion. 
It was just around well, that was, that big that big pine yeah, tree that yeah, that you go around right before you get there. Pond, and it had a dip in it, when, uh, and and then you, the road come down into wash and come back out. And I was coming there and looked over there and I seen some motion in that dip. And I said, "Oh, deer no, that standing. that's a different story." Deer standing there deer drinking. I'll just go and shoot that thing. <coughs> so I got off. The, bike hiked up up to that dip and and I got walked right up there and that that was what I could see was the cougar's tail wagon and I and when I walked up there I was standing right behind him he turned around and I thought oh man I'm gonna be eight <laughs> I just all I could do is had my mouth open I couldn't even draw my bowl and, and, but I didn't, I was just froze up, I couldn't move. And I guess he figured I wasn't scared of him, so he turned and ran off. Now, I was talking about that time when you were walking to go get Don out of his stand. Yeah, you stand there waiting for him, and this yeah, cat it, walked up. the cat walked up by that big pine tree that's there that you walk around. It, yeah, I mean, he was I, within arm's reach of him. I but thought I was going to be there, too. But <laughs> I was coming you, over Don. You didn't even have his, an arrow in your bow or anything. His, down in his stand, and I come around this ridge, and I thought, well, it's time to go to lunch. Or I'll go down and get him out of his stand, and I come up to stand by a big pine tree before I turned down the trail where his stand was, and I thought, if he's got a deer down there getting ready to shoot, he'll be mad if I come down there. So I just stand in there, and this cougar come up, out on that trail, brought up and turned right into me. I stand into the stand. And you had I a hip had, quiver. And I had a, the bow on my quiver. I mean, the arrow on my quiver. And I was reaching for that arrow. I had my old bow out here. I've got to get this arrow in here to kill that or shoot at him. <laughs> he walked right up, come up that trail, and just turned right into me. And I was standing by that pine tree, and he just. Well, as close as that thing was. Close as that. <laughs> six feet. The stuff was right there. About six feet away. And I couldn't, and I couldn't get the ball at the arrow out of my quiver. And he, his eyes got big, and mine got bigger. And all of a sudden, he turned around and run. And I didn't ever did get a shot at him. I remember one time during the one before he started hunting with the bull that. We'd went down to Black Rock, and I had that old Jeep station wagon, and I was standing on the back tailgate of it, and uh, he was driving, and was coming down the road, and I seen a deer up on the ridge, and he stopped. And it stopped, and I shot, and I hit it. But I couldn't tell how hard I hit it or anything like that, and it ran going to the east. And we tracked it quite a ways, and finally I just give up. I said, we'd never find that. He wasn't hunting. He was just there with me. And uh, so the next morning he got down there and, and got on that deer trail. And I wouldn't have thought that you could have found it, but he must have tracked it 500 yards. And over finally, two, over two, two washes. Yeah, finally, in some kind of scrub oak there, there it was. He found it, and uh, and uh, another time after he got hunting with a bow, we was down there, and, and it was just 
almost dark. And was going down the road, and they looked over to the edge of some oak there, and you could see these horns sitting there. And, and I told him, I said, get out and shoot that deer. And it was probably 40, 45 yards away. And, uh, and with his one eye, he couldn't, he couldn't see whether it was buck or doe. And uh, he got out, and he said, you sure it's a buck? And I said, yeah, it's a buck. Shoot it. And he turned his car so the, the, the lights were on it, shining towards. Anyway, he drove back and and shot and hit it. And by then it was it was dark; there wouldn't be no chance following it then. But <laughs> he says, "Are you sure that was a buck?" And I said, "Pretty sure." I said, "It might have been branches that looked like horns, but I was sure I, probably a buck." And he says, "Oh." What if it was a doe? I said, well. <laughs> but anyway, we went to camp and went back the next morning, and and he was still worried about that being a doe, and I didn't let him know any different. I just let him think about it. <laughs> but anyway, I we got up there, and I'll bet the deer didn't go 50 yards. It was laying there dead, and it was nice, nice four-point. But up until he seen it, he didn't know it was a door or a buck. <laughs> right. It's compliments of his flipper skills. Yeah. Or his dodging of flipper skills. Then the bad episode down there was when he we was camped in this one place and we had a tent put there and some guy came over and stole his arrows. And, you know, they usually archery hunters have a little bit of ethics about them, you know, but they didn't want to steal the arrows, we stole our food. But after we, I think in 1983 I got a four-wheeler and in 84 he got a four-wheeler, we must have put a million miles on them. At least. Everywhere. And not on roads, <laughs> just no. right out in the brush. Hi. <laughs> Took him in that water canyon and, and he started down the bottom and and I said, I'll meet you up the top, up at where that old rock cabin's at up there. And, and uh, so I went up there and waited and waited and waited and he never showed up. So I went all the way back around and come up there and, and he'd made it to this one narrow place that, that we'd fixed so we could get across it. And uh, it slid off and he hit here and the four-wheeler hit here <laughs> <laughs> left an imprint in the bottom of the wash but even to get it out of there is a little bit testy because it was all choke cherry down the bottom of it but uh then the one rifle hunt we went down there and went to one canyon over from the water canyon and uh we had this two point and uh we had it on the on the four-wheeler and 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 that you had to about set on the deer to ride with it and it was about dark when he came out of this canyon and I told him I said now hit that road straight on so you don't yep. tip you know and, but he didn't he turned too quick and it went like this and then I went this way and the four wheeler went that way 
Lindsay went this way. <laughs> <laughs> That's when he broke his back, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And we finally got it on his wheels again and got it loaded up. And and he was in so much pain that he couldn't drive. And, and I don't know why I'd left my four-wheeler back at the truck. I don't know why I did that. We just had that one four-wheeler. Mine was still... I know it. I, I don't know there was a reason we done it, but now I can't remember what it was. Anyway, we got it back there, and then it took a few weeks for him to heal up from that one. Uh, more than a few weeks. <laughs> I was his channel changer for weeks at like 2 in the morning, yeah. and there's nothing on then. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. Or there wasn't then. But there's... We'd been on... Well, I had a three-wheeler before I had the four-wheeler. And it's yellow, Yamaha, three-wheeler. And we'd been up, you know, in Kenosha Canyon. Mm-hmm. And we'd, we'd always thought that there was a way to go from Kenosha Canyon over by Mount Joseph and go down on the east side into the city of Joseph. And I just knew we could do it because there was a horse trail that went up over there. So I told him, I says, you take the truck and go around and come up on the mountain and I'll go over the top and meet you on the other side. And the sun was shining, it's nice. And so he took off and I tried to find a trail across there. There is now, but there wasn't then. <laughs> there was no trail. And I very well, he don't know that. So he's going to be over there and I'm here. And I said, I don't know. Only way I've got to do is to to drive this three wheeler all the way around to get over there. So I took off and drove across that that road going over towards the oil road that comes down below I seventy. And the sun went down, then it got dark, and it got cold, and I was about to freeze to death. And and I didn't know whether he'd be there or not when I got over there. But I, I got to Joseph, got on the road, and that road coming out of Joseph going up there is just like this. I mean, it's steep. So I headed up there, and I got about halfway up there, and I seen these lights coming. And I guess he had decided that I was lost or something, but he was coming back out. <laughs> so we loaded the three-wheeler back up on the truck, and come home but I was glad to see him oh, I just about froze to death I said we don't want to do that again <laughs> but now they got that Paiute trail up there and it goes all over right but well that's about all the time we got on here so I'm going to stop this thanks for uh, chatting with me so I want to thank my dad and my uncle for joining me for this episode, kind of talking about uh, them growing up, and I appreciate it. Uh, it, was, it was good times. Um, if you want to, like I've told you in the last couple episodes, if you would like to go on anchor.fm and leave a message, um, uh, audio message, um, I listen to them all, and you could be in a future um, podcast episode if you have any suggestions or things that you'd like to uh, to hear on the podcast. Um go ahead and and leave a message there so thanks and stay tuned for upcoming episodes bye